Well, good morning to the UK column viewers and, of course, our listeners. It's uh, Sunday morning. It's August the 28th. It's just after 11.30. And I'm delighted to be joined by Dr Christian Buckland. Now, Dr Buckland has uh, been talking to the UK column previously. We've had some very interesting discussions. He is, of course, a psychotherapist. He's been working amongst other things, alongside people who've suffered uh, vaccine adverse reactions. And he's kindly agreed to join me this morning to have a little informal chat about uh, Richie Sunak's recent statement uh, that he wasn't very happy with um, how lockdown and other measures were brought in. Um, so I'm going to say straight away, Dr. Buckland, thank you very much for joining me. How, how are you this morning? Really good, thanks. And uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to have a bit of a chat about what Rishi Sunak's been saying, because I think it's really important. OK, well, I thought we'd just um, start by having a little bit of a, um, a look at what uh, some of the uh, media has had to say about his statement. So on my other screen here, I've got some of the headlines. Let's read some of them. We've got um, MSN. It says Rishi Sunak faces backlash over lockdown criticisms as claims branded dangerous. Uh, we've got The Guardian, uh, Rishi Sunak wrong to say scientists given too much power over lockdown policy. And that wonderful quote has come from a sage um, expert, apparently. Uh, we have The Daily Mail, Boris Johnson insists COVID lockdown decisions were right, uh, rebutting nemesis Rishi Sunak something. Uh, we've got Sky News, Rishi, Rishi Sunak faces backlash over lockdown criticisms. Uh, we have um, the new statesman, Rishi Sunak, the lockdown sceptic with COVID compliant vibes. I thought that was particularly interesting. And uh, we've got The Spectator, which was probably one of the key articles, the lockdown files, Rishi Sunak on what we weren't told. Now, I'm I'm going to say straight off that I'm fascinated by the um, vehemence of the backlash against Richie. He's obviously said something which has upset the establishment. But um, Dr. Buckland, what are you picking up on this? Well, it's a really, it's a really, really important development. And I've got very mixed emotions about it because nothing he has said has come as any surprise to me and probably to none to any of your viewers I think you know we've known that artificially inflated fear has been the driving force between behind the entire Covid narrative and that without the ramped up fear levels the world would be in a very different place right now but what he has said has vindicated everyone who has spoken out over the past two years and I think it's it's really important to acknowledge that speaking a truth when it's unpopular take so much courage. Um, you don't have anything to gain, you've just got everything to lose, whether it's your job, your professional standing or your relationships. It's been really risky for people to stand up and tell the truth. So it's very good that his words have given further proof that everyone who stood up was right to do so, but the damage has already been done. Um, so as I say, I've got really mixed emotions about what he said, but I think one really good point is that it shines a spotlight back on the topic of behavioral science and psychological techniques. Because like you, Brian, 
I've been warning since 2020 that these psychological and behavioural techniques have been used on an unknowing and unconsenting public, um, which means they haven't given their consent or approval for this to happen. And that, to me, is what makes it all unethical and very dangerous. Um, because when you look at the Mindspace document, and I've got the quotes here, it, it highlights the need for public approval. Um, the quote is, policymakers wishing to use these tools summarised in Mindspace need the approval of the public to do so. And we see a similar statement in the book called Inside the Nudge Unit by Professor Halpin, who's the chief exec of the Behavioural Insights team. And he wrote, if governments or indeed communities or companies wish to use behavioural insights, they must seek and maintain the permission of the public to do so. And the reason consent or permission or approval is needed is because actually behavioural science can be very dangerous. Um, we've, we've, got, we've got an example from an all-party parliamentary group report on the Morse review um, into the loan charge from 2020. And one of the recommendations was for an independent assessment and a suspension of HMRC's use of behavioural psychology slash behavioural insight in light of the ongoing suicide risk to those impacted by the loan charge. So it's, it's well known that behavioural psychology can be extremely dangerous. And that's why I'm glad we're talking about it again, because there needs to be a full inquiry into all of the psychological techniques like using fear, shame or guilt and all of the other behavioural science techniques that have been used, as I say, on an unknowing and not consenting public. And there really does need to be accountability for those who knew the dangers of using psychology unethically, but still went ahead with it. One part of what Rishi Sunak has said that I found really interesting relates to the minutes being edited. Um, for a long time, I've wondered whether the risk assessment of using fear, shame and guilt was edited or removed. Because if you look in the document where they state um, the perceived level of personal threat needs to be increased amongst those who are complacent using hard-hitting emotional messaging, and I think that document's called Options for Increasing Adherence to Social Distancing, in that document, they state there could be a negative spillover effect of using media to increase the sense of personal threat and that there could be a negative spillover effect for the use of social disapproval for failure to comply. So we know there were discussions surrounding the risk factors of using fear and shame. And I'm wondering if this could be one of the things that Rishi Sunak is referring to being edited out, because... I still think that there's a possibility if this was kept in, if that risk assessment was kept in, I don't think they could have ever used the unethical techniques because they would have had to document just how severe the fallout would be. And that would include there could be the possibility of an increase in the risk of suicide. Just from listening to what you were saying about lots of um, articles kind of criticising him speaking out, I think it's really important to acknowledge and point out it's not just Rishi Sunak who's come out and said using fear to change behaviours was wrong. In Laura Dodsworth's book, A State of Fear, she interviews an educational psychologist who's a member of Spy B, and he calls it unethical. 
I think the actual phrase he says is, oh God, it's unethical or something very similar to that. And um, in, I think it's January of this year, there was a board member of the Behavioural Insights team who wrote in an article, and I've got that here as well. His quote was, the most egregious and far-reaching mistake made in responding to the pandemic was the level of fear willingly conveyed on the public. So we've actually got really quite prominent figures saying it was wrong and unethical. And to me, that really backs up the urgent need for a public inquiry and accountability. Um, you know, the, the, other, the other part of some of his statements that really resonated with me was when he mentioned about the posters with people on ventilators being the worst. And I'm not sure if it's the worst, but it's certainly up there at the top because I will never, ever understand how this was allowed in the first place and why the psychological bodies didn't complain and really kick off about how unethical this was because it was a clear tactic of using all of the, all of the things, fear, shame and guilt in one advertisement. And then when you understand how much money was spent on those advertisement campaigns, it's completely mind-blowing. Um, one thing that's always really upset me about those posters was the mixture of, of, of the imagery with the messaging that was being put out as well of don't kill your granny, because this was directly targeted to children. And I've always been left wondering what's happened to those children whose grandparents or their parents who did die in 2020 and 2021 for whatever reason, and has this disgusting guilt and fear messaging played a part in how they process that death? Because if it has, then it will have severely impacted and damaged them. Um, I, I do want to sort of actually point out though that since, since 2020, we, I've seen that UNICEF have drawn up an ethical toolkit for using behavioural science on projects with children. So that is definitely a step in the right direction um, for the future, but it doesn't really take into account what's happened in the past. I still think there needs to be accountability for how unethical some of the psychological use has been, um, because it has, it has caused so much damage and harm to people, not just psychological, but physical as well. And, and I suppose the last thing I want to say is Rishi Sunak's comments really provide further proof that people weren't able to make an accurate risk assessment about whether they wanted to take, whether they should take um, one of the COVID jabs or not. Because with any medical procedure, you need to conduct your own risk assessment. You weigh up all of the risks and all of the benefits. And Rishi Sunak's comments give us further proof that many people may well have chosen to take it only because they were given deliberately inaccurate risk levels because of the artificially inflated um, fear messaging. So I think there's lots of really important points that come out of what Rishi Sunak has said. And, you know, as I say, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he's spoken up and said this, but on the other hand, you know, it, it's a bit of, bit of a slap in the face to everyone who has said, this is what the problem is. And we've been saying this for over two years now. Firstly, I think your point about why has Rishi done this is very, very interesting because he's he's now kicked up a firestorm at a time when he was he's clearly going for the um, 
leadership of the Tory party to become prime minister. And it's very interesting that he's taken what I think is quite a big risk of of speaking out on this this very interesting subject. So while I am not a fan of Rishi Sunak in a number of areas, I'm going to say that on this occasion, I am I think that he has spoken out and he deserves support for speaking out. But I do take your point. It would have been so much better if in speaking out, he had pointed to the many, many professional experts who have been warning about this for some years now. So he's come out. He doesn't seem to have said. And what I am saying is reinforced by quite a significant number of experts. That's all just left to the side. So there's a number of very, very interesting points there. The other thing I, I wondered if I could just clarify for the for the audience this morning is that when you were talking about the mind space document uh, that was written in 2010, it was a, a UK government document. It was produced by the Cabinet Office. And what is so significant about this document is it's 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 like a very simplistic overview of what the government was doing. Um, in its applied behavioural psychology programme. And as you've said, it did it did also highlight that the government had to be careful because if the public perceived that they weren't being informed of these quite sophisticated behavioural techniques, there could be a backlash against the government. And so that was the Mindspace document. People can still get a copy of that by simply searching online for Mindspace uh, as a .pdf, that's M-I-N-D-S-P-A-C-E dot PDF, you should find it. And if you look at page 66 of that document, at the bottom of that page, it says something like, um, by these techniques, uh, we will be able to change the way people think and behave, but those individuals will not necessarily know their behavior has changed, or if they do, they won't know how we have changed it, which is a pretty shocking uh, statement, I think. And then just to clarify, the second document that you, you'd focused on was were the minutes of the Spy B meeting back in March 2020. And that was the one where the specialist psychology team within the SAGE organization or alongside it uh, was talking about how they were going to use applied psychology. So I, I just wanted to clarify those two. Uh, but can, can I just focus you in on a little bit? Because, of course, the minutes talked about what they were going to do. Um, but you rightly pointed out to me the other day that um, page three and four of those minutes also had a very simplistic risk assessment that was drawn up in a table. I don't know whether you want to comment about that at all. So that that's the bit that I'm I'm saying there. It, it is clear to me that there was some discussion of a risk assessment done for using for using fear and shame. Um, because they say there could be a negative spillover effect, I think is the word. And to me, it's like, well, okay, well, where's what have you documented? What is that? You can't just say these are the, there could be some risks. I thought it was really interesting that everything else was, you know, the spillover effect was positive, neutral, positive, neutral, and anything negative was could be negative, as if it was kind of, you know, taking a guess. I, I think there's been a deliberate attempt to hide 
what those negative spillover effects could be. In, in saying that, we, we now we, we get into an even more concerning level because this shows the government being devious in using psychology in the way it presents its own reports on how it is using psychology. What I'm trying to say is um, I don't know why there isn't a risk assessment. I would have thought there should have been a risk assessment. And that's all I can find um, that looks like it could be. So there might be one somewhere, but it's just made me realise, you know, when Rishi Sunak said that parts of minutes had been edited, the first sort of thing that went through my head was, aha, could it be the risk assessment that's been edited out? Because as I say, I think then if it hadn't, if that had stayed in, I think a lot more people would have realised this is this could be a really really bad bad idea because maybe only all of the positives of using fear, shame, and guilt were being discussed. And if you don't actually understand psychological techniques and how psychology can be really dangerous, um, then you might not be aware. You, you, you know, in my profession, I would never dream of trying to scare someone into changing their behaviours because I know, number one, it's unethical. And secondly, it will cause long-term severe damage. Um, you know, and so maybe other people don't know the damage. And, and the reason we don't use those techniques in my profession when we're working with, with clients and patients is because psychology is about co-construction. It's not about getting someone to submit and change because they're frightened. You don't do that. It's, as I say, it's about co-construction. Um, and, and, and the other thing I, I probably want to say is the reason why I, I'm, I think this is really important is because we're going to see the same techniques rolled out for many other different agendas unless we push back and say, this isn't on, this isn't right. So we're going to see them whether it's, you know, well, I just think we all know that we're seeing them at the moment. Um, so I, I do want to encourage people to be sort of asking for number one, things like risk assessment, which I know you've been asking for for over two years. But I also want people to kind of be saying we're not happy with you trying to change our behaviours on an unconscious level, because, you know, something that sometimes doesn't get acknowledged is just how behavioural science does penetrate into people's unconscious and can change their behaviours. You know, there's lots of different techniques. I've just talked very briefly about fear, shame and guilt here, but you just have to look at some of the language that's been used. You know, for example, the three, three word slogans, you know, those are designed to penetrate into people's unconscious. So they end up behaving without thinking. So there are all these different techniques that are being able to nudge us in the direction that potentially we don't want to go down. And I think it, it, there has to be some level of pushback to say, hold on, we're not happy with this. Otherwise, it's going to be used all the time. And I don't want to, I don't want to live in a world where I'm constantly being told to be, a, be afraid or, or be guilty or, or be, be embarrassed or shamed. Thank, thank you very much for that. A uh, very, um, very interesting summary. Uh, as I look at the, uh, the whole of the COVID situation, there were two areas for me. One is that fear was used in relation to how dangerous COVID was. That was the first thing. And then fear was also used uh, in the, actually it's three things, isn't it? It was into the COVID itself. You're going to die. Many people are going to die of COVID. 
Then we had fear to achieve the lockdown and the social distancing. And we also had, it seems to me, a fear agenda to get people to be uh, jabbed without considering the full range of benefits and risks. So the, the government or areas of the government must have known what they were trying to do here. And all of the information I've read about the behavioral insights team from the outset when they were they were doing their early work on how they could use behavioral uh, insights in order to promote government policy, um, they were very, uh, what is the word? I could say arrogant. They were very pleased with themselves about how powerful these tools were. And clearly they didn't seem to have any particular constraints on how they would use these things. In, in all of the material I read, even when I discovered that the Behavioural Insights team had initially targeted DEFRA, and that was Farming and Food, Department of Farming and Food, uh, that was where one of the early projects for behavioural psychology was unleashed. Um, even that £34 million project, I never did see any risk assessment on what possibly the adverse effects were going to be. So I think this lack of attention to risks um, has been prevalent from the earliest stages by the, by these teams. I I think that you know behavioural psychology is it can be really helpful and it can be used for really important things. I you know I use it in my in my job. It, it's an important technique and tool in my toolbox. Um, but I have an ethical framework I have to uphold. And, you know, if I use it uh, unethically, I can get pulled up. And I think that's what I'm asking for and saying is really important here is that there are more and more ethical frameworks drawn up for the use, whether it's governments or organisations, companies, whatever, there has to be frameworks drawn up. So that's why I was so pleased to see UNICEF um, producing something for uh, behavioral science working with children because absolutely that is key especially when I've talked about my concern about some of those guilt messaging um, that was that was put out but that there needs to be more broader ethical frameworks drawn up to ensure um, to ensure the public aren't aren't harmed because that is my risk my worry here is actually we can cause if we don't highlight the problems that have happened with the COVID narrative we will see more harm being done down the in the future Right. Well, Dr. Buckland, I'm going to say thank you very much for that. I think it's been a very useful, um, a useful analysis overview of what's happening. Um, and of course, we wouldn't be having this conversation in this way had it not been for Rishi Sunak speaking out. So I think it's going to be fascinating to see what now happens around him, um, whether he stands his ground or whether he's sort of bullied into uh, submission and you know don't speak out on this subject it's it's going to be really interesting absolutely I think we've just got to watch this space and see what happens next but I am surprised well I don't know if I am surprised but I, th I found it interesting to see how many reports you just read out that were attacking him for saying it yeah interesting okay we, we will leave it there I'm, I'm sure we'll be having future uh, discussions about this because it is such a big uh, subject even though it's been really hidden 
in plain sight has been there under the surface of the public perception perhaps Richie's comments are are going to do something really positive which is bring the whole subject to the surface so let's hope that's the case okay well thank you very much for giving up part of your Sunday morning thanks for joining me thanks Brian <laughs>